Hello, I'm Professor Margaret Rogers Van Koops. Um, most people call me Dr. Margaret. I've been doing this show, Journey into an Unknown World, for 10 years. Would you believe it or not? It's amazing. Time passes. Anyway, I've now chosen to make one-hour shows, and I'm starting to work with a sort of theme as I go through it. So my last show was about perceptions and consciousness, and I'd like to pick up this with past lives, constant ideas and feelings and thoughts that we have at this time in our modern ways, and of course everyone's talking about how black is precious but I want to say here right up front that it's not just black we're all different colors and it's not just that we're on the streets I've seen white people yellow people pink bleep people blue people I've been all over the world traveling and I've seen suffering in its many ways and the bottom line is I always find that somewhere in a personality, in a characteristic of a person, they have created their lifestyle, they have incarnated, and they have interacted with a variety of people, and they've made a choice on how they want to perceive themselves in the company of others. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Quite some years ago, I had to go to New York to do my own little seminar, workshop, things that I was organizing with another lady who happened to be black. When I got there, I didn't know that she was an alcoholic. And it wasn't long before she was shouting in my face that she was black and I had no idea about her suffering. Well, of course, I was strong in my shoes. I took a deep breath, even though she was two inches from my nose. And I just held her and said, it's okay. And of course, being drunk, she fell asleep and later went off to do whatever it was she had to do. Not my problem. But it made me think. You see, many years prior to this, when I'd been a little girl, I'd had an out-of-body experience where I had ended up in a beautiful glade where there were lots of creels made of twigs and black people walking about. And I remember standing there on the edge, sucking my thumb as a four-year-old does, looking at these people when suddenly there was a very tall six-foot black man standing beside me who took my hand, led me into the creole and allowed me to sit with him and what followed was I was no longer a child, I'd become an adult, and I was no longer white, I was black. And we talked for a lot of time, and I learned a great deal, or I should say remembered a great deal that was encoded within my soul coding. And then he took me back to the edge of the clearing where we'd first met, and I was a child again. And then the next thing I knew, I was waking up on my mother's bed, run into my mother, apologized that I'd been missing for three days, and informed her how fun it was to be an adult. She looked at me, smiled sweetly, and said, Darling, you've been asleep for ten minutes. <laughs> well, you don't forget that kind of event. And though mother told me I was imaginative, 
and uh, it was wonderful to be imaginative. Years later, she was amazed when she admitted to me the fact that I'd insisted there were black people and I was black, because where we lived in those days was all white. Yes, I was born during 1942, World War II, a bomb exploded when I was being birthed and it missed the hospital to kill many people across the road. My second bomb landed when I was three, went over the top of our apartment across the road again and killed a whole bunch of people living over shops. I was meant to live. And I was meant to live to know the sufferings of the people of the world. Now, you might think, how, what would she know? She's white. Well, you know, living in World War Two and the after effects of it for every European and every uh, African and Israeli and so on, there were so many people in World War Two that were affected that the world was dysfunctional. And everybody was trying to make peace, harmonize, rebuild countries, and so on. And people will say today, the young ones of us elder folks, you don't know what it's like with us being on the street. You don't know what it's like to have no home, and so on. Because they see us with a nice house, and so on. And we've all worked really hard to get where we are. But hey, we struggled, we strived, and in the process of doing, we birthed children who we taught to struggle and strive, who in turn have now birthed their children, saying, you have to win, you have to go forward, not to struggle and strive, but to be successful. And if you have to tear down walls, like the Berlin Wall, or tear down statistics or go out there and fight for a cause like kids are right now all on the streets millions of them all throwing in together in different countries to say the politics of the way of the past is done let me go back in time all the way back to the time of Moses my spirit guides took me back to that time and there I was standing in a desert. At that time I was only 16. I'd never experienced a desert. I might add here I live in the Arizona desert, so I'm very familiar with desert now, but back in those days I had no idea about deserts. And I was standing there and I was becoming this woman who was surveying the land around and I'm thinking, I have no food for my children. I have no place to go but to follow the one. I didn't know who the one was consciously at that time until someone told me, have you listened? Have you heard Aaron? Have you heard Moses? And I'm, oh, well, no, who's that? I'd lost Margaret and I'd become this woman. And I was looking down at myself my fingers had been cut off. I'd only got a little finger, and yes, believe it or not, a thumb. So I could pick things up still. And I was grateful and merciful that God had allowed me to keep those two appendages. Why had I lost my three fingers? 
because I'd been stealing food to feed my children. And I knew that my back was covered in scars from being whipped many, many times. And I knew that I'd been raped at least 24 times or more. I'd stopped counting. And I knew that I'd had babies that had been birthed and taken from me as soon as they were birthed, either to be sold in the market as slaves or to be wet-nursed by the Egyptians of the lower country of the time. Nothing was good in that life, in that time, and Moses was the one to free us. But it wasn't so free, was it? Forty years walking in the desert, round and about, but you know, there's something I know that nobody knows because it's not written in the Bible. The manna from heaven, where did it come from? It came from the aliens. Yes, they were interfering with our DNA even then. And if you think now about black is important, I want to say to you, so is tan. So is pink, so is purple, so is white. The colors go on. And the amazing thing is that we are living in a time when we no longer have to segregate one another. We've got children who've got mixed blood, as we call it. But hey, they've got mixed genes. It wasn't the first time that people were just being raped or abused by a white person with a black person or a tan person with a yellow person. Throughout history, our genes have been engineered, changed and altered by forced procreation or love procreation. So why are we saying we're so thoroughbred, that we're so important, more important than someone else? when the truth is, every one of us is important. We are important to the oneness of all that is. Just recently, I wrote another book. It's called, I have to stop and think because we haven't actually published it yet. It's The Oneness. It's all about the dissension and ascension of the oneness. And so what I want you to understand is that we aspire to become more spiritual, to climb towards God and be embraced with God. And whatever your religion is, whether you think we all sit on the right-hand side of God, as the Catholics think, who's on the left? All the negatives, all the miserable ones, all the lost ones? Well, of course not. There has to be a balance, the light and the dark. So within the light is the dark, and in the dark is the light. And there is the balance. And in the Buddhic way, when I was taken back to the time of Siddhartha Buddha and was one of the crazy monks that he sat with and kept asking these stupid questions as far as we were concerned, such as, so why do we sit here and muse on things when we don't have any answers? 
Well, that one stuck with me, and I was able to bring it back into this life and ask myself, that's why I'm always asking questions. Because all the adults were always saying, can you stop asking questions? We don't always know why. Well, I wanted to know why. I wanted to know why I was in the desert with losing my fingers and being so badly treated to wander for 40 years to get old and to not appreciate the land that we were brought to because I was old. There were a lot of us who were old. We didn't make it. But the Bible doesn't say so. But you see, people record what they want to record and in the same way today, people talk about what they want to talk about and that is their point of view. So if you haven't listened to perspectives and consciousness in my last show, I suggest you do. And you will begin to understand that everything that you think about, no matter your race, no matter your creed, no matter the town you live, whether you're in a flood in the middle of nowhere with no food, or whether you're in a house that's just been set fire to and it's destroyed and you've run for your life, or whether you're in some situation where someone is shouting and firing guns and you think this is it, my life is over, or whether you're starving to death because there's no food, you are going through an experience that is not your first time. We have all starved, we've all been burned, we've all been knifed and killed, we've all been blown up by bombs, so how can we say we're so different? Well, I talked about perspective on the last show. But here I want to say that perspective of yours today is limited. It's very, very narrow because you're only looking out through your physical eyes, smelling with your nose, tasting with your lips, hearing with your ears and I might point out that none of us taste food exactly the same. We may agree it tastes scrumptious or horrid but we can't actually take our tongues out and compare them side by side identifying how we process the taste of sour grapes for example versus sweet sugar pie or a savory dish of shall we say spices versus something more salty we each have decided within ourselves what we like and some of that like is not drawn from this world and the upbringing for example when I was a child there weren't any Indian restaurants there weren't any Chinese restaurants all that came later when England gave back a lot of land and the people were able to become Commonwealth members and come to England and suddenly all these foods were available and I have to admit that some of them I loved and some of them I didn't because they were strange to my taste they weren't something I was used to but there was an association for example my first Indian food yes it was spicy in fact, it was very spicy, and my nose and my eyes were streaming. 
but something else was going on. I suddenly had a picture, an image of myself sitting on a carpet under a tent in the middle of whatever I was doing, eating this kind of spicy food, listening to some kind of language I didn't understand. It was a flashback, a flashback in my memory of a life that was encoded into my brain so that I would be able to adapt to my country and to the new people who would arrive, who were Indian and Pakistan now, and their foods and their ways of life. And I had quite a few friends who loved Indian food as well. So we often went out and had that kind of food, and over time I love it. And now today, there isn't anywhere I live. There was for a short while until COVID came and the poor people had to close down. I miss it already. But there are other people who arrive in my town from Texas, and they're beef eaters, and they love beef. And they'll take a 10-ounce piece of meat and eat it all while I'm chewing away at what seems to me like leather because I didn't grow up with beef. We had chickens and we had lamb. So, you see, we're conditioned by our thoughts and our upbringings just on food alone to say what we like and don't like. And if we happen to say, hey, I don't like Chinese food, we're likely to add an addendum to it that we don't like Chinese people too because they eat Chinese food. It's a rationale. And when we tell ourselves something like that, we're telling ourselves a lie. After all, how would you like it if someone said they don't like you just because you eat lamb every Sunday and you're British, so they don't like British people? You'd laugh. You'd say, how silly. And yet there are people doing this. I've heard it in conversations around me on a daily basis. We have to stop this. We have to stop putting a notice on people's faces that says, I don't like them because they are something. Because that's something I didn't like in my taste, my smell, or even my sense of looking and feeling or touching. I must admit that the first time I had a boyfriend who was black, we were sitting side by side and I was looking down at my lily white skin and his really, really black skin. And you know what I found myself saying? I wish I had his skin because I was always sunburned and got blisters and his skin was strong and he looked handsome. Yeah, you see, adaptability. But how did I get to that point? Because my father said, you're white, you're princess, you're royalty, your ancestry goes back to 1066, you must marry in your own class. Well, of course, I grew up and I did not marry in my own class. I married a worker who was a brilliant man who came from what we called the working class in those days. Oh God, am I so glad we got rid of upper class, middle class, working class, the street people, the kings and queens. You know, and I see all the people coming together and unifying their ideas and their feelings and their thoughts in a common goal 
of let's make our countries work and it's happening everywhere so in the overview the COVID-19 which is also adapting like I said it would in my article if you haven't seen my article it's been put up on Kindle there were four parts to it and now it's a little download booklet you can have and um, it was done by my PR guy John Paul the PR guy uh, great guy uh, very wonderful very supportive to me and if anyone needs a PR guy I can help you connect to him and he'll get you out there and he doesn't put money first he puts his soul first that's the kind of people we need isn't it people who listen to their heart and soul and follow their journey knowing that somehow somewhere in life they will bump into just the right people and those people are the team yes we need to have teams don't we we need to have friends we have to get down on our knees and say let's scrub the floors because we know why we'll do the hard work and we'll let people watch us do the hard work because we're pioneers and in our own way as pioneers we're teaching we're leaving people a message so I'll go back again back in time and going back in time, a long way back in time, when I was actually an alien. I was very, very tall, probably eight to nine feet tall, compared with me now. I'm just about five foot three. And I was looking down, which seemed a long way down to me, at little stones that were crystals. And I was looking for a certain element that I needed that I would know that this planet would in some way formulate into something better. Now, I can't analyze and tell you exactly what I was thinking because I couldn't understand it myself at the time, but I was that person and I was so amazed to find the basic chemicals growing in and around these hot spots. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where on the earth I was, but I didn't even know it was called Earth. It was just a planet I was checking out. I looked across and I could see way off in the distance some other ships flying around. I was just normal, didn't question it, it was usual thing. And I went back to my work collecting specimens. That was all I knew. I woke up out of that, coming back into my body. My spirit guide said, it'll make sense later in your life. They wouldn't answer any questions at that time. So I just left it in the back of my head. But when you have a past life shown to you where you are reliving it, you don't forget it. So fast forward, arrive in America. My husband decides he wants to take me to Yellowstone. So we get up there. I have no idea what I'm going to see. We see Old Faithful. We arrive just as it's erupting, and that was fun. And then we sort of moseyed around. And then all of a sudden I found an area where I was standing looking down at these chemical little bits and pieces. And I was looking at something that was identical to what I'd seen in that past life as an alien. And it made sense all of a sudden, why? And I went, 
Oh my goodness, so we were looking at sulfur and we were looking at the biochemistry of how sulfur can be separated down to its basic elements. Well, we haven't learned to do all that yet. Elements are named and there are finding more and more of them, but what they haven't learned yet is elements separate through sound, resonation, reverberation. And of course, any time there's a volcanic eruption, we have a dust cloud, thousands of biochemical little molecules being spewed out into the atmosphere and the way they mix and cool and land on the ground are rocks. And over the years I've been using rocks, little shards that I could find from when I was four years old, collecting them in my bucket, taking them home, only to have mummy throw them away half the time. But hey, she let me keep some. And as I got to be about six and seven, my spirit guides used to say, run along, get that stone and put it on mummy's hand, head or whatever it was, and of course anyone else who came into the house. And given time, I learned that the stones do the healing. Even years later, I learned that my healing energy was passing through the stones, winding its way through all the cooled molecules of that stone and shooting out at the speed of light around the meridian of a person's body, breaking up negative vortexes of energy where pain and suffering were stored. That's a simple way of explaining it. Now, wouldn't it have been delightful if I had incarnated into that life I talked about where I was suffering in the desert, following Moses around, not knowing where I'm going, if I'd have picked up some of those stones, those rocks on the ground and used them for healing? But I didn't. Because you see, that life, though much later than the alien life, wasn't relative to the journey I was taking of suffering. I was learning what it was like to be a human, to live in this world with suffering. And of course, we've all reincarnated many, many times, hundreds of times. People come to me and they say, have I got a guide? And I have to smile sweetly and say, oh, you have many. But the truth is, we have countless beyond anything you could number of relatives, friends, associates that you've just met in your life so far. People you've seen on the street and said good morning to or yelled at, get out of my way if you're angry. You know, there are many ways we interact with people. We upset people we make people happy, we're immune to people, we give them a cold look, or we just pretend they don't exist. And it's all our free choice. And in the free choice of doing this, we're having an experience. And that experience pushes buttons that makes us feel something like this has happened before. Well, of course, we dig back into our past in this life and we'll find some scenarios, some little events and little happenings that we think is precious. And we hold a little souvenir and we finger it and fondle it and remind ourselves of the pictures 
especially babies because they grow so fast and so quickly and of course photos back in my day were hard to get and expensive to pay for had to buy these expensive cameras no videos there was home movies we actually had one in our family and uh, we're all excited my ex-husband of the day had filmed us all playing and running around in the garden and he'd come home late at night and said it had all been developed and we all got set up and ready got the kids out of bed you know everybody was ready to see us and all we saw was a flickering hair nothing else nothing on the film well apparently he forgot to open the cap (laughs) so he was recording nothing but the inside of the cap with a hair stuck in it well, you learn the hard way. Well, we put that up out of reach, away from the kids on top of a wardrobe where it lay forgotten. And one day I thought, aha, the, you know, we've birthed another baby. I uh, want to take some more pictures. So I went to get it. It wasn't there. So I asked my husband, where was it? And he said, oh, I sold it because it was useless. <laughs> that was my exposure to trying to get video. And today, don't think twice about it. There's the computer, there's my iPhone or my iPad. I can just switch it on, take a picture of something I see of interest, and I can share it with anyone I want to online. What a world we live in. And when I was a child, I had to walk up the road to find a telephone box to call mummy and tell mummy I was late because my friend didn't have a phone because her parents didn't afford one or they had a party line and someone was talking forever and you couldn't get online to talk to someone. We've come a long way from Marconi. We've come a long way from the light bulb that Edison invented. But hey, what about if we go back in time again? You're living in, shall we say, the forest. And it's right on the equator. It's constantly raining. Every day, you just get up, go out in the jungle, find a monkey, kill it, bring it home, wrap it in leaves, put a little sheltered stone and a couple of weave things across best you can, and then put it in the ground with a fire and hope that it cooks. Well, of course, you know, the idea of re-eating raw fish has been with us for eons of ages but raw meat we tend to want to cook it I do anyway and uh, it seems to be much nicer when you add a few herbs and seasonings and so on but those people living even today in the equator are living like they did thousands of years ago and they don't question it why because they're still in touch with their spirit, with the spirit energy of the forest, of the trees, of the animals that live there. Now let me come forward into our time, well not so much our time, but should we say when Americans started to come over here, they were Brits coming from um, pilgrimage kind of religions, or they were people who'd been Uh, thieves and beggars and robbers and things like that who've been shipped over here to get rid of them from England to find that they weren't on a land that was isolated 
there was actually a populace here of tribal people, many, and that there had been thousands of Native Americans living here. And so here again, I'm going to go back into my past lives. I was about 18, I think. I was getting a lot of past lives during my teen years. And so it was about 18 when um, Red Cloud, who'd been with me since I was seven, came to me and said, it's time I knew who I was. And suddenly I was looking at Little Fern, who was really a sweet little girl. She was about 16. And I thought, oh, that must be me he's showing me. And she spoke to me and said, no, I was your sister. <laughs> so I, oh, my sister. What, my sister that I have now? No, I was your twin sister. Oh, what a revelation. Two people in the womb at the same time. I hadn't got that concept in my mind here in this life. So I had no idea how it was to share such a close space with another spirit in the womb. She gave me that experience. She shared that with me. And from there I began to understand that I'd shared many thousands of women who had been in labor and helping them birthing children either as a spirit entity or here on earth or having my own baby or watching my sister or someone else my mother or friend family whoever it was birthing a baby because yes in those days babies popped out without hospitals babies lived or died according to the circumstances women got pregnant very often why because the populace needed to expand now when we say there were millions of people on this earth at a time long gone there was but we can't say there was for fact because we haven't found anything but old buildings ruins that we can go back to 5,000 years ago in the flood but what was before that how many of us have lived before that time well, currently, a lot of people are into the aliens, including me, because I've had past lives as aliens. And I've also been in constant contact with aliens in this life. So I have a lot of information I'm going to be sharing at different times at different conferences. And there's one coming up October 22, 23 and 24th. It's the weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, only 50 people can attend so if you haven't got your ticket yet and you'd like to hear what all these people including me have to say about aliens and our lives then you can go to 5devents.com and you'll see you can sign up and buy your ticket online there for the event in October 22 through 24th I'll be there from 22nd to the 20 so Friday Saturday and Sunday if I've got the dates right okay so um, love to meet you love to see you and if you've been listening to my radio show do come up and tell me that you've been listening and introduce yourself 
Why? Because, hey, we were meant to meet because in past lives we've met many times before and you're drawn to what I'm doing now so some part of you knows that we should connect. So you will. But if you don't feel that, you won't. It's that simple. We have an energy connection with people who are coming into our lives now who are helping us change our point of view, see the world differently, they are teachers, they are dreamers, they are people who are movers and shakers and so on. And you will be drawn to the people that you're a part of where in the spirit world, you have already set yourself up to know these people on earth. Which brings me for you to understand that going back to a life lived, just thousands of people crossing your pathway, some you remember, some you don't, kids you're in kindergarten with, you can't even possibly remember them, other than it may be some kid picked their nose or something and made it stand out, okay, to you'll be old and on your deathbed reminiscing all these people without even knowing why, but you're, you are harmonizing the thread of the personal period of your life here on earth and how it fits in with all your other past lives that you've lived. And if you're an old soul or an ascended master, you will have a greater awareness of your past lives. Not because you remember them, but because your soul group stimulates you to go back into the time and relive it. Now, when I was taken back to my life as Peter in the time of Christ, I was lost. I didn't know Margaret existed. They had to reprogram me as Margaret. And here I'll be honest with you and say it wasn't easy for me to write my book, My Journey into the Oneness. It's my life story with the most important parts of my journey that brought me to become the person I am today. It's an easy read, so I'm told, and people love it. If you haven't read it, you might want to get uh, an ebook and put it into your iPad or iPhone, or you may well want to have a real book in your hand, in which case it's an ebook. I don't like really uh, promoting what I'm doing. Uh, in terms of my products but I do want to say here that people do come to me because they've awakened and been shown a past life and they're not sure if it's them or not and I will say this back in the 60s when I was a medium in England grand age of 21 to 24 5 um, people were coming to me all the time saying, I think I was Cleopatra because they'd seen the movie Cleopatra uh, or I was working with Cleopatra or I was around because it is such a spectacular um, show with Elizabeth um, in she played Queen uh, Cleopatra. Uh, and the people felt an identity with her and the way she projected that character and in the way Rome was at that time. And so people were coming to me saying, I was in Rome, I was, you know, and I was not saying, no, you weren't, because 
it was not my place a to say no you weren't and b it was a hundred percent highly likely that they were back there in that time but not necessarily in Cleopatra's time because you have to remember that Rome had a long period of coming from a small little place to this great nation that conquered half the world the same with Greece and so that was over a long period of time and there were many nations who were conquered by the Romans and the Greeks who joined forces with them and became a part a part of their nation and today we could say the same of Britain who had a commonwealth no different they went out peacemakers but com conquering and getting all these countries you know to learn and be educated and if you think about Rome they educated people about baths and washing and cleaning and you think about Greece they educated about fitness and strength and beauty of the arts and here we are with all of that in our memory encoded within our DNA encoded within the DNA is your connection to all your ancestors the people who have pioneered your life to this point that you've been able to arrive now when Spirit asked me to write Donald Trump the enigma of society I immediately said no I don't want to write about politics and he said oh no no it's not about politics it's about the DNA it's about the RNA it's how had it not been for those relatives that we want to talk about he wouldn't be where he is now so I warmed up a bit I was still like well I don't know because I'm not political at all and I was musing on it for a couple of weeks until finally um, Cornelius Tacitus who's my Roman guide and also a dear friend from past life that I've lived with came to me and he said Margaret you really must do this for the people of the future they need to understand that they don't just arrive they don't just die they don't just work out something everything is planned and so I said well okay I will but you have to dictate it to me well the first part I said I got to say very clearly this is not my body of work it's yours <laughs> he said you can write what you want so I wrote my intro you know I don't know what's going to come out of me but I'm going to do this work and so then Archangel Haniel took over because Haniel wanted to set show in the vibration of the archangels just how we are all primed with their energy and so that part was good and I channeled that and wrote it as the, he spoke through me and uh, then I got to a point where he said okay research I'm like what research what do you mean <laughs> well I have to admit my research went as far as Wikipedia where I was able to find Donald's tree going back to the 1700s with a few gaps and that was where it was very amazing because the ancestors and the things that happened in Germany with the few gaps and the relatives that Spirit gave me really turned things around so that his grandfather and father would be in America you have to read the book to find out how he ended up to be president and why 
and his purpose. But I will say his purpose was and is, and it's happening, is to stir the people up for change worldwide, and he's doing it. So it's not about whether he does it well or badly. It's not about anything to do with that. He's doing it in the programming and the inherited gene factor of his ancestors to be exactly who he is at the place where he is for the purpose of stirring up the tea leaves in the cup, as it were, that have been nestled at the bottom for years and years and years. A Piscean age that's come to an end and the dawn of an Aquarian age. Again, if you haven't any idea about that, then go back to Journey into an Unknown World on webtalkradio.net. You'll find my two-hour special on that where I explain the great Piscean Age and the great Aquarian Age that we're in now. And you might want to know that the inner cycle, we're in the Gemini. And I've talked about that too. And the Gemini energy for about 250, 300 years is speeding up side by side, the past and the present and the future boxed in where are we going what are we going to do that's the question mark are we going to all wipe ourselves out are we going to clean up the air build new buildings made of different materials stop being greedy I think we will do the better we will improve because look at all those beautiful, gorgeous children that are now coming into embodiment who are so talented. They can sing, they can dance, they're scientists. They're amazing. Here's a little example. It's a few years back now when David Letterman was on, had this little boy on who was talking about all the dinosaurs, describing them all, and he asked him, well, did your mum and dad teach you all this? You don't know. He said, I read it in books. And then he said to him, well, what age could you read? He said, two. He said, you could read at two? He said, oh, yes. And then he said, well, how, did you, how do you know what they look like? He said, I remember. That was all he could say. It's all he needed to say. Because I knew that he was saying, I've tapped into a past life when I remember seeing those great dinosaurs because, hey, I was here on Earth looking at them, watching them, and part of making sure that they were interbred. Yeah, interbred. Did you hear that? They didn't just arrive here and evolve. They were put here. <laughs> and they were put here at a time when they needed to be put here. You know, aliens of today encounters, people speculate, the greys, you know, they're tearing our hearts out, they're doing horrible things. They're not. It's all telepathy. They're very lovable, sweet people. The reptilians, they're guards. They protect them. They keep them safe. They don't hurt us, but they do restrict us and limit us if we're violent. And hey, we humans are violent. When we're aggressive, we're violent. Why are we so violent? Well, when we look back through history, the recorded history we know about, all we see is violence. Battles, wars, battles, wars, battle wars. I remember watching um, the Zulu movie. So many could wipe out so few. And yet, at the end of that movie, they honored the few for their bravery and left them. 
It takes a great person to step down and not dominate and humiliate and harm someone. So why are people bullying people in school? Why are they tearing people around saying, well, you're not Jewish or you're Muslim. I don't talk to you. I don't want to know you. I'll put a bomb under your nose. What have we come to that we can't sit down and say, I accept your religion, your philosophy, you accept mine. And so what Spirit told me, and I hope it comes to pass one day, the temple on the mount, it will be destroyed, but they will build a new temple that will be half synagogue and half temple, united under one roof, the nations of religion come together to give the world peace and it's not coming out of the generations that are here now because they're encoded to fight they're still debris from the Piscean age but the young ones the kids who will grow up they're the Aquarian age and they will birth children who will go on to see the stupidity of fighting over a piece of religion that is out of date, forgotten, served its purpose, no longer needs to be remembered in the violent ways, but needs to be learned in the philosophy, the spirituality of the oneness, that each of us has a purpose in unifying the deity of all that is, that we live on this planet. This is our world. This is all we know for now. But when you pass on, when you go into the spirit world, you will find out that birds of a feather do flock together if they're still negative. We'll have a bunch of Muslims over there in the temple and we'll have someone else over there in the synagogue and so on. But given time, usually no time at all by our time, they will have correlated, unified, and become equal spirits who are working yet again on bringing wisdom, spirituality, and divine consciousness into our awareness on earth. Yes, they become your spirit guides. They are part of your soul group, hundreds and thousands of them. And you have selected a few to be your family in this life, your friends, your enemies, leaders and so on we are collectively unified here on earth in discord and disarray for a purpose we must allow the old ways to die so that the new ways can manifest and the generations to follow and it will take three they will come and they will bring to our experiences additional science our next age of science is the age of sound. Aliens have been using it for a very long time. Sound is a reverberation that we live with. The earth is a ball of reverberation. Deep within is sonic sound. Scientists measure it because they're looking for earthquakes. But hey, you don't realize just how vibrant that sound is in having the earth continue its life, its seasons, its force, its polarities, and all the miasma and thing that's going on deep inside is the fluid that harmonizes that sound.
And then we look at ourselves, we hear sounds, we call that sonic. Hey, let's break the sound barrier. Going into sonic sound, beyond our hearing, there's so much more. And when we get into the great vastness of the cosmos, there are trillion billions beyond measure of sounds and vibrations we'll never hear with our human ears. But with our spirit consciousness can attune, feel the vibration, the resonation, the echoes. So huh, here again, I'm being reminded that I have a book um, which is basically taking Einstein's theory. It's called Quantum Entanglement, a Paranormal Point of View, where we discuss vibration, sound and time and so on another channeled work because spirit always want to give new information to the students of the future so i'm old i'm 78 and i hope i live to be a hundred like my dad and i'll keep teaching and learning and yes i'm always learning i never stop and i love learning but we older folks our ways are of the past we remember the wars we remember History was jammed down our throats. The kids of today, they want to know the stories. They want the truth about behind the feelings and the thoughts of the stories. They want to change the way we harmonize and meet one another and talk to one another around tables. So if you are young and you've been listening to this, I'd love to hear from you what you think about this talk. I'd love to know if I can help you and guide you in a direction of your career, your skills, your talents. Maybe you see many of these children are so different from their parents that they don't feel they belong. They run away from home. They live on the streets. One of my children did that, but we're very close. It wasn't that I was driving him away. It was that I was gone. I was traveling and someone else was looking after him and he decided it wasn't right for him. That was his journey. And today he's a great man and I'm proud of him. In fact, I'm proud of all my sons. They've done well. They've all done very well. My eldest has been teaching judo kids, doing disco work, acting, singing, dancing, and made a great life interacting with many people. My second son I was talking about has always been intuitive and very psychic and wherever he's working, building houses or whatever he's doing, he's always creating, helping people. My third son, he has also been very psychic, works diligently. He and his wife have eight children, four boys and four girls, and they're fantastic. So I've got lots of grandchildren, can't mention my whole family, but the point of my mentioning here, even down to my youngest son, who only has one child, they're all united. They talk to one another, they share, and they've learned, hopefully through me, to unify all the people that they meet in their life. They are pioneers in their way for their generation, and they look after their kids well and they worry about them. But their kids are saying, hey, I can think for myself. I've got ideas. I know what I want to be. Whether they want to be gay or straight, whether they want to work with dead or the dying or the living, they already know. They tell me. 
That's the generation that's coming in. They're primed and ready to work in this world to make it a better place. But we older folks, we have to give them room to breathe. We have to give them support to explore and expand on their ideas. We have to give them ways, places where they can come and be with people who listen to their fear, their pain, their anger and their guilt. We need more shelters. We need more teachers. We need more organizers, supporters. We need more funds, don't we? And we've been saying this for so long. It's time. These kids will make sure that they become leaders where we can take the young ones and give them a future, give them hope, support their dreams. With the computers, we've been getting a lot of online classes and courses, but unfortunately, people have been saying, oh, you can come on my course for $35, but then, hey, next pitch, it's a thousand, two thousand, where's your credit card if you want to learn? And those people are getting rich, selling books that usually people put in a closet and never read. I watched it over years. I even bought a few myself, I admit it. But hey, this isn't what it's about. It's not about money. It's not about politics. It's about living together, equality, being the same. It, you know, my dad taught me something very much so. A gentleman who takes the garbage away is a gentleman who works hard. You tip your hat, you tell him, thank you, I'm grateful. And in those days, because my dad was old school, you give him a bonus. Today, nobody thinks about a bonus. Everybody's grabbing and, you know, I want more and I want more and I'm going to use my credit card and I'm going to get in debt and I now I don't know what the hell I'm going to do, excuse my language, but that's the way they talk, okay? We've got to stop this. We've got to share. If I've got five carrots and you've got five apples, let's go out and find four people that we can give the apples and whatever I said, pears to those four people. And if we create a train of sharing, passing on, passing on, passing on. I learned that after World War II when I got shoes from other people that had been repaired and then when I'd finished with them because my feet had grown, they were passed back to the cobbler who repaired them again and made them look like new shoes and they were passed on to my sister. And when she was done with them, they were taken back to the cobbler and he repaired them and they were passed on to someone else. And did he get any money? Of course, but not much. Because people were grateful. Thank you for your skill. Thank you for making my shoes that I can put shoes on the feet of my children. Here's 25 cents. I'm talking in American money. But actually, that would have probably been two or three pence in those days, English money. Yep, we could live on five pounds a month in those days. Now it's 500 pounds a month. What have we done with money? No wonder people are talking about Bitcoin, but hey, it's not time, it's too soon. So don't invest yet. We have to find other means and ways. Well, I've come to that time when it's time to wrap up. 
So if you would like to keep in touch with me, watch out for easypeasysolutions.org where I'm going to be teaching on Zoom with a wonderful girl, Katie Kamara, who's got my back with technical and stuff and who I invite to talk now and again. So we're going to be teaching. So if you look out for that, watch out on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. I'll be putting an ad up when we're starting. It's been over two years trying to get this going. And now we're almost there. So an online school and no high prices. The first six weeks will be free, talking about relationships because we all have difficulties right now. And then after that, we'll be charging something like 35 a class because we have expenses. You know, we have to pay for Zoom and different things that we're going to use. So no, we're not making a fortune out of you, but you can contribute. We will, under the banner of Universal Christ Church School of Spiritualism, and my charter, I can say the word charter, Sumaris Education Center School of Education. So we will be receiving donations, and that's going to be wonderful because it's going to help us help a lot of people who haven't got much money. Okay? So. If you're interested in studying with me and with her and maybe the other or client from time to time we'll have online, and yes, you will be able to talk to us and ask questions, join me, www.easypeasysolutions.org. And on that note, I say thank you for listening to me once again for a full hour. And I hope that we'll meet in the flesh one day, somewhere, sometime, either in this life or the next. So be well. Bye-bye for now.